Jones. Oh, 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 it's time to tell the damn holiday story. Here we go. Look at that beard. Look at that beard. Oh, I don't have to put on a fake white beard anymore. Look at that. That's there true. I got go. some here, yeah. Christopher. All right, Alex Simmons and boy. Chris Ryan right here. Yes, he is. That's right. Weekend before Christmas and uh, the holidays and all that. And um, we're going to go over some uh, creative holiday stuff to accent, uh, augment, and help you enjoy your holiday. My goodness, he's just pulling out those $25 words there. Augment and, you know. All right. I, all I right. got I got them in my stocking. There you go. Oh, no, what's in my stocking? Augment. All right. Folks, you gotta tell the folks. Have you been you been a bit, you been a good boy this year? I mean, you know, fess up now. Fess up. <clears throat> Under legal advice, I plead the fifth. <laughs> okay, good. You got the same lawyer <laughs> I have. Okay. There you go. How you doing, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. I'm getting ready to show. I'm gonna uh, I have a stack of music. And in a stack of videos, and we're going to talk about things. And, you know, if you're looking for, oh, there's something missing, this might help you out. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm ready to get through that last week of uh, teaching high school before the holiday break. And if last week was any indication, uh, next week is going to be a long month. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's all right. That's all right. You go there and you teach with love, baby. Yeah, for everybody who's listening in, yeah, here you are once again with us on episode 117 of television. That's right, 117. And yeah, he said holidays, and we're going to do all kinds of holiday references and things. But once again, just so that you don't think you've tuned into the wrong show, uh, we definitely have a, a creative theme here because we're going to be talking about themes, themes mm -hmm. that fit stories, themes that fit within holiday stories and how we were affected by them and what we saw and so forth. And of course, that's about how you use themes in your story. So anyway, ho, 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 here we are, Christopher. Let's here go. Here we go. Yeah. All right, so uh, let's talk about music, right? Music is very creative. Uh, it tells a lot of different stories, uh, both in the sounds that they use and in the lyrics and in the tone that they sing and all that sort of stuff. It's definitely a multifaceted story. So I have a pile of stuff to augment uh, this season. Um, I use that word too many times now. Got to get rid of it. And first I got a, a, a pop album that was curated by Elton John. It's called Elton John's Christmas Party, right? And it's got a little something, as far as pops are concerned, it's got a little something for everybody. It's got Elton John stepping to Christmas. It's got Bruce Springsteen, Pet Shop Boys, Elvis. The Ronettes, the Beach Boys, the Flaming Lips, Rufus Wainwright, The Ventures, Chuck Berry, The Crystals, Outkast, Otis Redding, Jimmy Buffett, John Mayer, The Band, The Eagles, The Pretenders, U2, and then Elton John and Joss Stone. So if you're a pop person or an old rock and roll person like us. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Go. I'm sorry. I knew all those names except one. The Flaming Huh? The Flaming Lips, did the you say? The Flaming Lips, baby. Flaming Lips, what song do they do? Uh, a Change of Christmas, Say It Isn't So. Yeah, Flaming Lips, baby. Wow. Uh, okay. Let's see if we have anything written about the Flaming Lips. Said, no, we ain't talking to you. So there's a little booklet that explains who everybody is. 
Well, whatever uh, they are about, it's an intriguing title. Yes. The where flame. you wear flaming lips? Uh, yeah, it's just you know they, he liked Elton John loves singles, and uh, uh, it was just it was out recently when he put it out. And he said that was great. All right, but you might have writing to do or painting to do or you know any kind of creative stuff to do. The sound in the background, well. Uh, what never fails for me is George Winston's piano solos, uh, the December album. Uh, very Christmas themed, wow. beautiful piano music. Hold that uh, up again. It's Hold that up again. George. George Winston, December. Cover your face. Cover your face so we can see the whole title. There. <laughs> That's what he moved in closer. Okay, there we go. Good, good, good. Thank you. There you go. George Winston in 3D. There he is. Now, this came out. I mean, he, he did one for every season, but this one, uh, it really works in this season. And if you want something in the background while you're being creative, bam, baby. We can't do a list without the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. I prefer they put out a few albums. I prefer the first one, which is Christmas Eve and other stories. That's uh, got the mad Russians and all that sort of stuff. And the album tells a story. So for all you creatives who want to tell the damn story, the whole album, and it's a, it, I mean, it goes back and forth, but ultimately it's about um, a father and daughter who are estranged and the possible reunion uh, for Christmas Day. And in that way, it's beautiful. There's a little something for everybody. That's uh, one of the great underrated albums uh, for your holiday. Now, we're going to go to classics. So I'm making a note. Go ahead. You're keep making, going. Make notes. Look, we're going to go to classics. We're going to classics. we got to go to Motown. And I oh, yeah. two for Absolutely. Motown. We're going to go to Motown. Everybody. Absolutely. Yeah, that's true. But for me, must hear every season, The Temptations Christmas Card. Man, that is a fantastic holiday album. It's got the Temptation sound. It's got the Motown sound. But uh, some of the best, best versions of classic Christmas songs. Fantastic. Now, if you want a little more light, a little light, a little, uh, you know, Jackson 5, oh, Ultimate Christmas Album. Jackson 5, oh, Jackson Ultimate Christmas five. Album. Yep. Now, people say, well, I don't know. Can you still, can you still, this happened this year. Can you still listen to Jackson 5 or Michael Jackson after that HBO special? Uh that was yeah. the end. That was the end, Michael Jackson. This is the young, innocent Michael Jackson. Does it ruin it for some people? If Probably. they choose to let it ruin them, you know, and, and I would respect that. It's a, it's a difficult question. I'm going to try this year, and we'll see what happens. And he, and All right, but. Mommy kissing Santa Claus, so, you know, there's no way taking that back. That's true. That's true. Now, uh, I also, I'm a, I, I like blues. So we're going to give you one that's very pop and then one that's a little more esoteric. B.B. Uh, King, A Christmas Ooh. Celebration of Hope. I love B.B.'s voice. I love B.B.'s playing. You know, he is definitely a sound of hope. Even when he's blue, he sounds hopeful. You know, so that might be something to check out. That's beautiful. But there's another Oh, You know, another thing I love is when you're, you're in a store for something else. You know, and you're not kind of looking for music. I, you can't do it as much as you used to. You know, walk across, you know, wander across a, a collection of CDs, you know. But 
this is one that I found that I wind up putting on every year. Maybe not Christmas Eve, but sometime in one of the afternoons around the Christmas break. It's called Blue Yule. All right. Pull it back a bit. Back. There we go. Oh, well, yeah, that's good. Okay. <laughs> He's going to mess with it. Good. Blue Yule. Good. Yep. Good. All right. So I'm going to tell you who's on here for those blues fans. Um, Santa's messing with the kid, Eddie C. Campbell. Then you got Lightning Hopkins, Canned Heat, Roy Milton, Detroit Jr., Texas Pete Mays, and the House Rockers Blues Band, Charles Brown and Band, The Insight featuring Johnny and Edgar Winter, Big Jack Johnson, Jimmy McCracklin, Louis Jordan, The Voices, Jimmy Liggins and the Drops of, His Drops of Joy, Sonny Boy Williamson, Papa Hop and his orchestra, John Lee Hooker. The Pilgrim Travelers, and one more by Lightning Hopkins. So, yeah, big dip into the blues for Christmas. There you go. But you might not be a blues guy. You or may gal. go for, or gal, you might go for a little more swing. I have two choices for you. One, two, here we go. First, Christmas with the Rat Pack, baby. Yeah, Christmas with the Rat Pack. Always fun. Um, I stumbled across this one. Baby, it's cold outside. A Christmas, uh, Christmas. Oh, and I tend oh. to put this one on more than the Rat Pack one, but it's the, from the same era, same kind of sound. So, well, I'll tell you why I would have gone for number two as opposed to number one more often. Who's got Nat on there? Yeah, you got Frank Sinatra, Nat. Dean Martin, Sammy Day, Davis Jr., Bobby Darin, Andy Williams, Nat King Cole doing "Oh Holy Night." You, you, yep. you know, must yep. listen. Uh, Bing Crosby, Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, Sammy, and, and Carmen McRae. Nat again for Oh Come All You Faithful. I have to hear him sing that. And then Bing again. But yeah, a lot of crooners, a lot of crooners. But wait, you might be more like a 50s guy or gal. Bam! It's Elvis! What do we call it? Blue Christmas, baby! You get yourself some Elvis and some Blue Christmas. There you go. I feel like I'm on an episode of WKRP with Johnny Fever. <laughs> and I'm burning up the needle now on the next one. Here we go. Um, one that I found, and uh, it's, it, it kind of didn't get the splash that it deserved, but it's a quiet uh, album, and I love this artist, Joan Osborne. Christmas with uh, Christmas Means Love. Uh, not a lot of, like, the usual hits, you know, but... Um, it's pretty cool. Nice sound, nice sound. Now, if you are a progressive rock person and you say, there's no Christmas music for us, there's just one ELP song, that's it. Well, not quite. You gotta dig. Because I have Chris Squire's Swiss Choir. Yeah, Chris Squire was the amazing bass player from Yes. This is a little bit, you know, someone borrowed and made me a little something. Chris, well, Chris passed, so he won't care that I have it illegally. But uh, Chris Squire's Swiss Choir was a solo project that he did, and uh, it's beautifully seasonal, so you might want to try that. Wait, 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 wait. So let, me, let me just roll that one back. So Chris Squire? Yep. And he worked with a Swiss player? bass player for the band name, yes. Right, okay, and so it's Chris Squire's with the... With it's called Swiss Choir, C H O I R. So he's got this Swiss Choir. So it's all him, and he's got a beautiful voice. 
and he's got I think he's got Alan White from the drummer from Yes Two, a couple other people. Uh, maybe Patrick Morez is on there. I'd have to listen again. And uh, all, all, all ton of the vocals are. Um, I don't want to say augmented, but uh, you know the, the Swiss choir come in. But wait, you might want to go a little further out. Leon Redbone, Christmas oh. Island. Yeah, baby. Leon, oh, uh, my yeah. friend Roger got me this one. He says, you, you are not listening to Christmas music. He is Christmas music. And uh, Delight, a Delight. And Offbeat Delight, you got to love Leon. Leon Redbone to really uh, appreciate it. But if you do, oh, baby. Uh, I got two more that are like, huh? Okay? So, believe it or not, <laughs> Bob Dylan made a Christmas album. Who did? Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan. Okay, because you yes, sound dropped for a second there. So Bob Dylan did a Christmas album. Okay. It's called It's called Christmas in the Heart. He used one of those like classic, uh, was it something in Ives uh, type of art? That's yeah. what it looks like. Um, yeah. And he go. He has, you know, in his his later later life, Bob Dylan, you know, through the yeah. nose and a rocking voice. Yeah. So yeah. he did. Here comes Santa Claus. Do you hear what I hear? Winter Wonderland. Hark the Herald Angels sing. Hark the Herald Angels sing. I'll be home for Christmas. Little drummer boy. <laughs> the Christmas blues. Oh, come. Oh, ye faithful. Um, have yourself a merry little Christmas. Must be Santa. Must be Santa. Was that? <laughs> Silver bells. The first Noel. Christmas Island, which is Leon Redbone's song, and the Christmas song, and Old Little Town of Bethlehem. Oh, Little Town of Bethlehem, I think you would, Masoda. All right. Um, oh. Last one. If that's not if that's not the direction you want you want to go, if you want a a good backbeat and you want some guitars and you want to scream your Christmas cheer. Bam! Twisted, twisted Sister, a twisted Christmas. Now, one of oh. the most fun things about this is that Dee Snyder is not a crooner. He, I don't think he was ever in a choir. He's a rock screamer. So, oh, come on, Fantastic. And at least one, maybe two of the songs, they just do it over one of their hits. You know, they have the music from one of their hit songs, but they sing the, the, the classic Christmas tune over that, and it works perfectly. It's a lot of fun. So you got uh, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, Come All, uh, oh, come, all You Faithful, White Christmas, I'll Be Home for Christmas, featuring Lita Ford, Silver Bells, I Saw Mama Kissing Santa Claus, Let It Snow, Let It Snow, Let It Snow, Deck the Halls, The Christmas Song, Heaven Metal Christmas, and there you go. So how about that? Everybody has to find something they'd like to hear from that list of Christmas music. And, and let me let me go back just again to keep this tied in a bit to tell the damn story in the creative process of writing and all that. You said earlier that you like to play certain music in the background when you're working on something. Some stuff. I notice, especially when uh, when I'm writing new stuff. Um, I can't have anything with lyrics, so the George Winston stuff comes in. Um, but it also has to match what I'm, you know. So 
if I'm like right now, I'm editing City of Woe and uh, getting close to the end of editing City of Woe. Um, and uh, one day I got to get permission to tell, talk about that editor because she was fantastic. Learned so much. But during a chase scene, I might, you know, I might have to put on that twist assistant. During, you know, one of the sadder things, you know, you might put on blue you or something, you know. Uh, it can fuel, you know, the different genres of music can fuel your creativity in different ways. You know, it's, it's interesting because I tend to, um, it, again, like you said, it depends on what you're working on. But I will find that I can't listen to music when I'm writing but I can when I'm editing. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's something about, and I, and I get what you're saying also about lyrics as opposed to no lyrics, because again, when you're doing work, you don't want a bunch of other people's voices and words filling your yeah. head by trying to come up with your own or the voices of your characters. So you don't want right. a conflict. But I also uh, find, go ahead. I was just gonna say, I also find that the energy of the music affects me. And that's, you know, again, if you pick the right music, it's positive. The other thing, and I'll just drop this last one, is I, I started with the statement, I can't play music when I'm writing. But I do find it interesting that if I'm in a diner or a restaurant or something, this is, you know, it's all these conversations. Ambient sounds, yeah. And there's some music playing through the speakers where I can, it, it's just it's just background. It's all background. I don't focus on any of it. So it's it's interesting how that works. As you said, ambient sound, yeah. voice, blah, 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 as opposed to if I'm alone in my, my writing space and I can't have lyrics going right. at that time. And I'll add two things. One, um, pre-writing. I listen to a lot of music. I'll put playlists together for different characters or for the theme of the uh, of the book, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I'm doing other things, walking the dog or going shopping, by myself or whatever, you know, not when the goddess around because you just want to listen to the goddess. But when she's not around, that's just in case, you know, she's listening. I get an extra present. What's up, goddess? How you doing, yo? Um, <laughs> but I will, I'll listen to either thematically uh, uh, appropriate or, you know, uh, helps to flesh out a character to do a playlist yep. about that character. Yep. You know, that's Mallory's yeah. playlist would be very different than Gunner's playlist, you know? I and talk then, to students about that, too. I talk about what does your character like to listen to, their music, what do they like to eat, that sort of thing. Because, again, it, it says something about that person, and it helps you feel like that person is more a genuine individual as opposed to one of 13 people in your story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Um, yeah, I, I still do the uh, index cards. So if I'm walking and, and uh, an idea comes up because of the songs or the clash to the two songs, just write it down. You know, um, I try to have one word and then mm -hmm. if there's a, if a, a dialogue idea starts or if there's a line that then you, I put the one word on the blank side and then the things that might wind up in the story on the line pages and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, so yeah, then there's there's some music for you, and I hope you find something in there that you're like, oh, I want to check that out. In the well, age of Amazon Music, or um, uh, I forget what the other apps are right at the moment, but um, you can you can call these up if you're you know paying for a service, and hopefully that'll be helpful. 
I was just going to add on to you, um, to your list there. For me, um, Nat King Cole, definitely. Jackson 5's, uh, you know, Mommy Kissing Santa Claus. Because, I mean, that that's, you know, piece of my childhood way back there. But the other thing, too, is you were talking about some of these mid-range, like, 70s, 80s artists mm-hmm. uh, certain songs, or, like, Twisted Sisters doing something. Um, one, of the, one of the little kickers for me is always David Bowie and Bing Crosby. Yeah. That yeah. I have to hear that. Yeah, um, that I, I, I have to hear the waitresses. I have to hear uh, their their Christmas song. One of the yeah. things I'd love to do is invite people to uh, add in the comment section mm-hmm. songs that we may have uh, missed. You know, because there's a you know there's there's twenty years of stuff that I didn't cut. I know I always hear Mariah Carey and this person and that person. Yeah, and you know. I, and of course, there's God forbid we do this episode and not mention John Lennon and so it, you know and so it is Christmas. I got to hear that song too. Um, but add your own. You know what? What other? What song makes the holiday for you? You know. Um, let, let, let me also drop because um, again, I'm the official old dude in, on the show, so I, I keep reaching great back. <laughs> old old dude. But you know, in terms of music stirring emotions or be, becoming the the icon or whatever other term you want to use for a moment in history, "I'll Be Home for Christmas" is a song that, in my head, even though I wasn't alive at this time, is forever attached to soldiers in World War II. Yeah, being away from home because that was you know that was the era in which it was created. And and it's, it always conjures up that image of them, you know, reading the, the the Christmas card or reading some mail from home, or huddled in, you know, some sort of a trench, you know, yeah. wondering what the family's doing back home on that eve at that time. And the family, of course, having a similar feeling. But it always seems to conjure up the images of the soldiers in that situation. So that's one of those songs that is always for me going to be iconic with that era. Yeah, and there's sometimes there's songs that um, different versions mm-hmm. represent. You know, uh, the Eagles do "Please Come Home for Christmas," and that's uh, uh, the way they do it. Uh, I became familiar with when I was creating my own de- uh, definition. You know, mm-hmm. um, and the band's "Christmas Must Be Tonight" is holy while still being very much that sound of the band. But you can, you know, you can find different variations on the songs, and like Chuck Berry does, run, run, what was it, run, run, Rudolph, but mm-hmm. so does Keith Richards, and so does like four or five <laughs> other people, you know. So it depends on who you want to do. Now, you know, we are <laughs> telling the damn story, aren't we, Alex? We're telling quite a story here. Yes. Yeah. We're gonna, we're gonna, stories, we're yeah. gonna talk about. Uh, some Christmas mu- movies or Christmas specials. And um, I think at least uh, on a few of these, we'll have different opinions, so that might be fun. Um, the idea is, again, to stir, um, or inspire, or remind people, oh, yeah, I want to see that. i got to make some time to uh, relax and enjoy and treat myself. Right, because mm-hmm. you need that as a creative as well to kind of fill up the uh, the fuel tanks to go and write yep. your own stuff. So Many here we go. Writers often say that they have to. Azimov was one of them. Is I constantly have to read 
or see or hear, fill myself up, fill the well up mm -hmm. so that when I go to write, I have something to share, I have something to comment on. So absolutely. Yeah. So this is probably one of the classic tales uh, for the Christmas season. Uh, the print version, of course, is great. It's the only uh, work of this author that I revere. Um, I like to say that it was written for a flat fee, and that's why it's so short compared to the rest of his stuff, where he hired himself and paid himself by the word. But Charles Dickens' Christmas Carol has seen many mm. iterations besides print, also in film and all that stuff. Now, I think you have a different version than the, your favorite, but I have two favorites versions. This one with George C. Scott is mm -hmm. my all-time favorite version of A Christmas Carol. When was George that done? C oh, God, let's see. Um sometime in the 70s or early 80s. Um, okay, okay. I'm not That's around right? That's range. But uh, he's fantastic in it. Um, as and Scrooge. Really, yeah. As Scrooge, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he plays it, you know, he is that angry, you know, but he plays it with this lovely subtext of wounding, you know, mm -hmm. of being wounded and, and hurt. That really helps, you know, I, I just love it. But, George uh, you know, is a phenomenal actor, was a phenomenal actor, and yeah. there's so many things that he's done. Um, my favorite film of his actually is a list of Adrian Messenger, but we'll talk about that another time. But yeah, I don't disagree. But no, but no holiday in there. <laughs> yeah, right. No, 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 no. I don't disagree that that's probably a great film and everything. As I said, I love George C. Scott. Uh, my favorite film version of A Christmas Carol is the Alistair Sims British mm -hmm. version. Which in 1951 and right. that to me will forever be the penultimate christmas carol movie and you know there's there's so many that have been done since or variations on the theme sure. i'll admit to something myself an adaptation i did bring that up in a moment but yeah i think i think the era i think the the you know when we talk about storytelling we talk about the the message or the intent of the, the writer or of the director or the actors when they're working on a piece. So I some something about the feel of the 1951 has just the right amount of innocence and 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 yet at the same time touches on I think the theme of redemption, which I think mm -hmm. a lot of stuff that I'm gonna talk about is is very much about that. It's about redeeming yourself, finding your better self after a period of, of darkness or whatever. Yeah. So I just thoroughly enjoy that one, uh, ultimately. Yeah. But you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to, this Christmas, I'm going to watch George C. I'm, okay. I'm and, it's, and, and it's a, you know, the, it's a credit to the strength of the story, you know, of Dickens' uh, original story that you can have, you can pull out different themes and you can, you know, you know, you can hear a piece of music that's just piano and it's beautiful, right? But if they add woodwinds, then it comes, you know, different flavor, different mood comes out. But if they use the brass, well, it's a whole different feel, right? And all that sort of stuff. And um, now you set this up beautifully. So I'm just going to jump on that and then, you know, I'll get out of your way. Um, still talking about a Christmas carol and talking about how the approach or setting up a different feel. Here we're talking 1951, Alistair Sims. We're talking George C. Scott somewhere in the 70s, 80s. I got to bring in the Muppet Christmas Carol. All right, because I'm going to bring in one more version 
Christmas yeah. Carol. Talk to us about the Muppet Christmas Carol. The Muppet Christmas Carol, which is 90% Muppets. They're puppets and things all over the place. Yeah. Our characters, mice and all kinds of humans in them, but they're Muppets, right? <clears throat> Except for Scrooge, who is played by, well, I'm sorry, that's wrong. There's some other humans in it. But the lead character, Scrooge, is played by Michael Caine. And right. so, yeah, it's you've got this great, you got Kermit the Frog as Bob Cratchit. You've got the, the workers in Scrooge's <laughs> office as mice or rats, I think they are. You've got Gonzo is is doing his version of Dickens telling the story. So he's in there. It's it's absurdist, it's ridiculous, it's it's funny, and yet it still pulls that message through of redemption, of, of realizing that I've lived my life wrong. I have done wrong to people who've done me no wrong. Mm -hmm. I need to find my way through this. And so I just think that that's another one. Musically, ah. it's not the strongest thing I've ever seen, but yeah. otherwise it's just great. Well, you know, George E. Scott, not a musical. Al uh, Alice the Sims, not a musical. I think right. Albert Finney did a version that was a musical. Right. Muppets who did a, a, a musical. This one, this last one, that uh, that last version, although there's a million versions of this, right? You can go to Mickey Christmas Carol and all that sort of stuff. This one, oh, yeah. not a musical, but there's a lot of music in the background. Again, a situation where a different flavor comes out, a little more modern. Uh, there's some comedy in it, a lot of comedy, some dark comedy. I tell you what, I, it never fails. The final speech brings a tear every single time. And that is Bill Murray Scrooged. Back, yeah. it up Back it up a little bit. There we go. There we go. Yeah. Yep. Bill Murray Scrooge. You know, it's funny. In, in what I, in the screen that I see of myself, uh, I, I see that it's already in. But this is this will work. But yep. yeah, this is. Um, if you haven't seen it, you know, everybody knows who Bill Murray is. If you don't, then you better do some work. Um, but this is uh, this is a comedy, and it just has this wonderful way of going. A little darker, a little darker, and then he has his moment. And that speech at the end, oh, especially this year, <laughs> we oh. need to hear that speech. Um, yeah, and it's it's all over the place. You can probably find it in most of the uh, platforms. Now, here's no, wait, 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 here's something. You keep bringing up good points. Here's something else, oh, too. I don't, I don't know how that happened. Yeah, yeah, let's, let's, let's <laughs> wrap <it> right? <laughs> but it's also about and again, to just in case people don't know what show they're listening to, it's also about telling the damn story in a way that hits the audience of the era. Mm -hmm. You know, really, you know, it, a lot of people, you know, God bless them, but a lot of people could pick up Dickens' original story and read it and not get it, or not mm -hmm. even be able to get through it, right? You yeah, know? yeah, but oh yeah. You know, I've got, film, I've got film students who can't watch a black and white movie. You know, so I'm thinking, okay, we need to talk, right? So each one we've talked about has moved further along or further forward along the timeline. So we've gone from the original era to the 50s, to the 50s, to the 70s, 80s, to the 90s. You know, um, I will also hold this up. We'll talk about how the story translates in different versions. So we have uh, the, the original book or short story. We have the films we're talking about. And then, you know, uh, actually, this is the wrong one for the, you know, I'm going to hold that one off. I will simply say that there's something about being able to take, I guess, a timeless tale mm -hmm. and, and, and write it or create it, you know, depending on what your skill is, in a particular way that the, the audience of that time, the audience of your era goes, oh, man, wow, they get it. It's yeah. still touching. 
And I think that's, you know, that's what you're talking about with the Bill Murray, because I actually haven't seen that in years. And as you were mm. talking about, I went, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, right. and that's the that's really part of the function of this episode is to get people. Oh yeah, right, and somehow trying to enhance your holiday. Um, yeah. Now we were talking about how the power of a Christmas Carol translates, and you can have subtle changes and renew it, and and with you know and do different versions. I want to contrast that with another one that I've never seen a better version of. I don't know that we ever need a reboot of this particular movie. Ooh, intrigued. It's oh, a Wonderful Life. Wonderful Life, yes. Yeah, yes. it's a Wonderful Life. You know, and if, if, if we got some of the youngins over there who saying, oh, it's black and white, it can't be good. Listen, kid, <laughs> give it a try. It's wonderful. Yeah. Is there a little yeah, hokiness? Popcorn. <laughs> if there's a little hokiness, yeah, there's a little hokiness. But will it get you right in the feels? Dead center. I will tell you, sir, there was yes, sir. There was another adaptation of that film. I believe it was done in the 80s or 90s for television. Mm -hmm. And they flipped it gender-wise as well. Mm -hmm. Bailey was a female character played by, um, oh, God, Danny Thomas' daughter, Marlo Marlo. Thomas. Marlo right? Thomas, yeah. And the angel, instead of this cute little uh, cherubic Irish guy, was played by a black actor whose name just went out of my head as I started to say it. But if you saw his face, you would know who he was. And they Bedford Falls, the whole bit, modern times for that, I think it's in 80s, I think it was 80s, 90s, I'll have to look it up. You know, and I'll, I'll, give, him, I'll give him a thumbs up for effort and for mm -hmm. a nice, I think it, I think, it didn't have as much of the heart as that yeah. film did. And well, I will... there'd be Go another ahead. problem. There'd be another problem for me with that film. I confess here, at risk of the goddess's wrath, that Marlo Thomas was one of my first crushes. <laughs> <laughs> that girl? Yeah, yeah. That girl? Oh man! Uh, yeah, just you know the voice. I didn't know what it was. It was you know pre. Uh, adolescence when I first heard it and ever since then, oh my god yeah, it's sad, you know, I have a lot of those that I, um, you know people would look askance, uh, I was always in love with Marla Thomas, always love with um, Joan um, who was the comedian a Serbic comedian uh, Joan uh, Joan Rivers, yeah, always, always was in love with Joan Rivers, I mean, I could even I would just had to focus on her eyes when she got older and had all that work done, but you know, early on, yeah, Joan Rivers. Oh my God! So yeah, there's my confessions. Uh, there you go. But let's go to another movie. Wait, wait, wait! Before you do that, because you know, and I'll make this short. I'll keep this short. For those of you who've seen the movie, and you know, uh, uh, it's a wonderful life, and who love the with movie. Jimmy Stewart or with Marlo? Well, oh no, with Jimmy, please. Let's okay, let's go okay. back. Go back to yeah, Jimmy. Um, I just learned some background to the film that that made it even more impressive and, and spectacular. So I'll just try and do this quickly. Jimmy Stewart was in World War II. He actually yeah, enlisted. This was a great story. Right? And he was a fight, he was, well, he wanted to actually be an active soldier in there, but they, you know, they were trying to protect Jimmy Stewart, you know. This was Jimmy Stewart, right. Keep him at the desk, keep him in the safe arenas and all that. And Jimmy finally, you know, he just kept pushing, pushing, pushing. So he finally wound up flying a bomber. 
He was a bomber pilot. And he saw a lot of action. He, he was involved. And when he came back from the war, and if anybody who knows Jimmy's work and you have a sense of his personality... Well, this they, that, they, they grounded him eventually because he was suffering from... PTSD, which they yeah. did not have that name for at that right. time. Right. So he comes back to Hollywood and he's damaged. I mean, yeah. you know, let's, it's war, you know? Right. you know? I don't care what your beliefs are. You're out there either almost getting killed or seeing people die all around you, or taking lives. So he could not come back the same way he had left. And mm -hmm. it was really a struggle for him emotionally. They talk about this. And what happened was, you know, they weren't quite sure where his career was going to go because of his struggles. And then he got that film. And when you watch some of the moments when, when his character, Bailey, is, is breaking down, when George is losing it, when, when the world's crashing down on him, the tears are... It's like, whoa, I was always impressed by that. But, but now, I'm impressed now more. Yeah, understanding. Knowing that, the background, yeah. That was almost an exorcism yes. for him to some yes. degree, right? Because yeah. from that point, his career began to grow. And he, again, according to people there, he, he was able to deal more. I don't yeah. know if he ever you know, really became whole, whole again, right. but able to deal more. And like I said, this was not an era. The 40s, 50s were not an era when we were thinking about or they had the phrasing PTSD when they were looking at that. You know, so just, you know, I'm more impressed with that work and with that man. Yes, I agree with you. And now if you haven't seen it in a while and you haven't heard, heard that story, now you have a chance to watch it with with new eyes, with fresh eyes, and hopefully a deeper appreciation. I have yeah. one, one more film, one more film to add. Is it ready to do that? Yes, well, to... because it's the same film. Go ahead. You're right. Oh, right. You're right. So, All right, pull it yeah. back a little bit. Pull it back a little bit. Earlier, earlier, I was saying when we were talking about A Christmas Carol, about the different incarnations of it, this is a Scooby-Doo comic. I'm holding up for those of you who don't have the visuals. This is a Scooby-Doo comic. Uh, this happens to be issue uh, 139, came out in 2009. I wrote this. I wrote the short story in there, which is entitled... It's a wonderful fright, okay, with Scooby and the gang. And See this what was, he did there? Huh? huh? Yeah. See what he did there? This was my homage to It's a Wonderful Life. And, you know, I wrote it, had a great time with it. I actually think I wrote it in 2008. Um, the, whole, the issue I'm holding up is 2009. As, as I recall, maybe not super accurately, but as I recall, DC enjoyed it so much that they reprinted it two or three times. So... For two or three Christmases, right around Christmas time, this reprint would come out. And uh, again, you know, the, the theme of it, when you see the movie, uh, you'll understand. But the theme of it, again, there's redemption here. There's also finding out what is your value in life. Because a lot of us don't have a sense of how value, how valuable we are to others or what good we may have done just in our simple lives and our day to day. And so ultimately, you know, Shaggy and Scooby go through an adventure that helps them realize that. But, you know, again, it's a wonderful life. There Great. you go. Scooby-Doo. Look for it. Scooby-Doo. It's a wonderful fright. Yeah. You can probably look at it on, it on Amazon or uh, eBay or uh, maybe, maybe Libby. Know. You know, it could be anywhere. Uh, go, to, go to a local, locally owned uh, comic book store. See if they have it. <laughs> There you go. All right, we got one more story. 
Okay, Waggy. One, okay. There you go. We have one more movie, then I have a couple of Christmas specials to talk about. So, um, uh, we were kind of older things. This one is relatively newer, but has demonstrated the staying power of a classic. All right, it's a comedy with heart. Elf. Elf. Elf is really a fun movie. Um, and again, uh, it's got that kind of Christmas heart to it, you know. Um, and uh, tells the damn story without... Uh, it, it, the comedy doesn't beat the hell out of the story. The story doesn't beat the hell out of the comedy. That is difficult to do, to have that balance. So, so Elf, Elf is one of your, your present-day favorites? Well, well, yeah, it's one of the ones that I know we'll, we'll get to sometime around. Now, oh. I have some TV shows, okay. TV specials, okay. holiday specials. So, so we were talking, we were talking movies. We talked. Uh, I just want to mention again, just random. We're not going to go into them, but uh, a couple of other movies that have popped up around that time is the Santa Claus, the first oh, one. Oh yes, that's okay. Yeah, that's good. okay, that's a goodie for me. A Christmas Story, which is night uh, was coming 1983. It's based on a Gene Shalit short story. About the kid who wants a BB gun. It's oh, set God, in the- yeah. Um, Aaron McGavin and all. <laughs> what, what, you got something I'm, there? I'm, well, I, yeah, I, I don't know where it is. It's in one of my shelves and it's kind of crazy in here. Um, my former student and good friend, Cassine Gaines, wrote a book entirely about a Christmas story. So if you, if you have a fan or a, a family member who loves uh, that movie and you say, I don't know what to get him. Get Amazon to send it to you quick. A Christmas story uh, inside, was it behind the scenes of A Christmas Story by Cassine Gaines, C-A-S-E-E-N, Gaines, G-A-I-N-E-S. It's got pictures. It's got all everything in there. A lot it's of fun. Yeah. There you go. And yep. the, the movie is, is great, too, because, again, I, I mentioned earlier about some innocence and things. You know, it's a kid who all he wants is this BB gun for Christmas. And, you know, in the 1950s, that was realistic. As a matter of fact, I think the, the cowboy hero who has this gun is uh, mm-hmm. Red Ryder, you know, from the right. 40s. So either way, it's, it's, it's again, that sort of Americana Christmas. Is, the father is a goofy guy. You know, he's, he's a blue-collar worker. You know, he's got this peculiar, interesting, fun, ridiculous kind of lifestyle with his mom and his little brother. It's a fun film, great holiday film. Uh, I've enjoyed it off and on for years. Like you said, 1983. And then the other movie I wanted to mention. I want to was... ask you a question about a Christmas story before you go to your other movie. Okay, go ahead. 2019. Does that story plot point about wanting a gun? Does that movie get made? I would say probably. Well, okay. Let me back up. Let me back up. A. I don't think PC wise it would. I think they could get away with it if they put it in the in the in the period, you know, back in the 1950s, and played it that way. Um, I think also, just let me be cold and, and and intense about it. We've got we've got shooters going around doing a lot of crazy things in a lot of places, and and, and in a couple of places I can think of, it involves children. So I think ultimately, just for those reasons, probably it wouldn't get a lot of support. And if it got made, I don't think that it would find a large audience. That's, that's, yes. that's my attitude. It's a movie it. of its time, 
uh, classic and people love it, almost a cult following. Uh, you can prove that to yourself by looking at a behind the scenes of a Christmas story by Cassine Gaines. But definitely Hollywood would change the gift he wanted, you know, and I don't oh, know where they would go with it. It would have to. And they would have to. And I, I think, again, you know, I mentioned the gun, which is what he wants. That's not that's that's the MacGuffin in the movie. Right. But it's not what the movie is about. It definitely so, is not. Yeah. So I think, again, watch it. If you get a chance, just watch it and see what you think of it. And let us know. I mean, if you come back saying, oh, no, it was all about the gun. Now, how could you do that? And then I'll go, well, OK. <laughs> so, OK. So the only, only other I, uh, film I wanted yeah. to mention uh, was because and this is because, you know, let, let me just let me just take this moment here. There's not a lot of black films <laughs> that, that were made, in the, you know, from anywhere from from the 30s forward, you know, in terms of Christmas, not a lot of black films. And then in the past few years, yes, you know, Tyler Perry, everybody and his mother starting to try and do them. But A Preacher's Wife with Denzel Washington and Whitney Houston. It's a nice mm -hmm. little movie. It's a remake of a film, and I forget who played the angel in that film. Denzel played it in, in the A Preacher's Wife. But the original one, different cast, and I, I should have looked this up, and maybe before the episode's over, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll Google it. But that's a nice little film. I think it was made, yeah, it was made in 1996. And um, it has a special special meaning for me because I got to go on the set and while he was not filming, I got to interview Denzel for a book for young people about his life. So yes, Denzel Washington to, by just to give Denzel his props, just to give him his props. Uh, Denzel, I was told you're only going to have like half hour, 45 minutes with Mr. Washington. So make sure you have all your questions together. And I went, okay, okay, okay. And I got in there and I had all my questions together. And he, I would ask him a question, and he would just open up and talk, and I'm watching the clock, and I'm going, oh my God, I'm only gonna get like three questions in, and I had like 10. But when it came to the 45 minutes, he said, well, they don't need me yet, and so I'll ask you the next question. And by the end of an hour and change, he said, well, no, they still don't need me yet. What's your next question? And it went on like that for about two hours with this man. Wow, that's fantastic. It, it's absolutely fantastic, and what a great Christmas present that was for me. So, there that's you go. Beautiful. All right, and you know what? Let's uh, get our take on one of the perennial Christmas movie question controversies of all time, Die Hard. Christmas movie or no? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I have to say yes. Tell I us have why. Yes, because that, you know, I mean, yeah, these killing and shooting and things are blowing up and all that. But if you watch the film... If you look at the backgrounds, if you think about the soundtrack, if you understand where he, why he's chosen that time of year to go to see his estranged wife, because they're separated, and to try and get his family back together, that theme is, I'm, you know, whatever you think of action films should not blah, 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 it's not appropriate for. But the whole backdrop, the whole background, the whole mystique of it is I want my family back together for Christmas. Mm -hmm. I, I that's what I'm going for. Maybe this is the time that she'll 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 give in that she you know that I can talk to her. You know, it was all of that was the was the setting. That now, was yeah, the drive. You, that was the drive through the that was the through line in the drive. Right, you had things blowing up. You know, yeah. it was a Bruce Willis action film, one of my favorites by the way. Yeah. But 
you know, the theme is definitely there. You know, well, so, it's and again, one of the more. I would I would say that if if we're going to go in that, and I'll I'll agree with you on that one. I will say it is perhaps the most subtle Christmas movie of all time because it's cleverly disguised as an enormous explosive shoot 'em up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you had to get it under, you know. That's right. But it has a couple of classic Christmas tunes in it, and Christmas all the sets have some kind of theme there. And uh, yeah, there you go. And at the end, he does get his Christmas wish. He's with Holly. And look at her yeah. name, Holly. Holly Gennaro. Yep. There you go, just, Holly Gennaro. Man. Yeah. All right. So let's go to Christmas in that same kind of theme, right? And creative theme. Uh, and with what we were talking about with a Christmas story, I'm going to hold up a couple of Christmas specials, tried and true, right? I'm We've watched them for decades. And I want to know your thoughts about it. And then I'm going to ask you, uh, in the 2019 world, does it still hold up? Gotcha. Yay or nay, and why? Okay, here we go. It's the Alex Simmons Christmas lightning round. Here we go. Yes. The first one is a Charlie Brown's Christmas. Yay! Yay! Does it, does it still hold up? It still holds up for me and a number of the people that I know. Of course, many of them are my age. <laughs> All right. um, in 2019 PC world, I, there, you know, I is it more problematic? I don't know. I don't know. Um, I'll tell you this. I work with a lot of young people you know, in terms of some of my students. And when I say students, I'm talking about people between the ages of 17 and 30, okay? Right. Uh, that's the average. And some of them have seen it. Some of them liked it, but they don't look forward to it. Uh, they don't look forward to seeing it again or other. I think the innocence or the, you know, the schmuck value of Charlie Brown, yeah. many people can relate to, you know, the world just, you don't fit in. You're weird. You're not the popular kid. You're not this, you're not that. And so I think Charlie Brown still resonates with whatever generation if they find him, yeah. whether or not this piece is something they're always going to come back to? I don't. I don't. I don't know. I. I really don't know. I'm All not. Right. I'm, I guess I, I would say that I'm not a, a fatalist. So there's always for hope. those for those who have loved it, it's they still love it. And for those who are coming up now, they, you know, it may not connect, but they should give it a try. Yeah. All right. Absolutely. How about this one? This is the original recipe. All right. Uh, we're not talking about the reboots. We're not talking about the movie versions. We're talking about the original recipe. Oh, oh, stole oh how the Grinch. That's how the Grinch stole Christmas, so, the animated version. Does this, is that, did you enjoy this? I thoroughly enjoyed it. Of course, I also have the reference of the narrator being Boris Karloff. So oh, that's, that's fantastic. Me, you know, that's now, does, does it still hold up? I think that it, amuses i think that you know baby boomers and even young parents now will play it for their kids mm -hmm. i think it's a chuckle i don't know if there's a message for them i don't know right. for us there was a message i don't think i don't think a lot of the 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 now people get a message from that it may be too subtle it may be they don't listen to it because a lot of people talk through things now anyway they're not yeah, listening or they check their phone through it you know yeah right or all right making something but 
But I think it still, I think it still has value. I think it's still like, like the books. I think Dr. Seuss still speaks to kids. Yeah, I, yeah, there's something special about Doc. All right, so now I've got this collection. This is uh, owned uh, and uh, so perfectly owned by uh, the goddess. Uh, ah, latest. Doesn't this look like a beautiful book? Oh, right, oh, right, a beautiful oh, book. It God. is a collection of the original television Christmas classics. So I run, want to run through a couple of these for you. Yeah. And yep. see what you think about. Yes, I liked have, it. And it's it. What's that? I have this, by the way. Oh, so isn't that a great little collection? Yes, yes, it is. So again, if you're if you want to get something for your kids to to keep them busy over the there you go. It's the original television Christmas classics has one, two, three, four, five, five in there for the originals, once a sequel. Animated classics, yes. Yeah. So all right, first one, Little Drummer Boy. Eh. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of always an uh, you had a yeah. it had to be on before one of the bigger ones, right? Exactly. You'd sit this through it. Act and it's a newbie, yeah. you know. Yeah, it's like it was the, young the opening act all together yeah. yet. You know, I always said, uh, Little Drummer Boy, uh, I liked the Joan Jett version than I, <laughs> better than the, the TV special. <laughs> I loved her song. I love, uh, version of it. All right. Sec, uh, second of the four that I'm going to go through. Santa Claus is coming to town. The original, the original of Kringle, right. right? Chris Kringle, yes, right. Is that, that the one where we find out how he became? Yep, yep. He's, yeah. You know, yeah. Okay. That's Rankin Bass... Um, it's stop action animation, and I right. think that it's goofy. I think it amuses children. I've seen it work on children. Once again, I think it's something that parents, now parents, will throw in front of the kids if it's on something streaming or whatever, because it's it's visually stimulating. I think that my generation remembers it. It's the kind of thing that I'll sit and watch for the fun of it. But you know, my kids who are now adults, my kids now as adults. I think they will remember our time together, but they won't necessarily remember, remember that. that. Yeah, I yeah. agree. I agree. Now that would be if if Little Drummer Boy was the opening act, that would have been the middle, right? Middle act, and then these two are the headliners. Yeah, okay? these, yeah. Here we this go. Is are we ready? Biggest. Frosty the Snowman. Yay, Frosty! Yeah. <laughs> Happy birthday. Um, yeah. I don't do think, think that. I don't think that this is a. It's funny. It's not the strongest story. No, it's not. It's for me. It's not. It's 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 the the old song that we grew. Well, certainly I grew up hearing a lot. And then somebody finally did a nice little animation of it. Uh, and it's fun, but it it has little impact. I mean, uh, even as a kid, yeah. you know, because in the original story, he melts away. And so right. as a kid, hearing that story or that song, you can find, oh, you know, mm, you know, you had something related to it. In the animated piece, they kind of, eh, I, I don't think, I don't, I think it, they weakened it. Oh, wait a minute. I'm sorry. Spoiler. Spoiler alert. I'm giving away the end of <laughs> Spoiler alert for a 48-year-old right. cartoon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In case you haven't seen it, I think it, <laughs> I think, I think they weakened it. It's not the strongest story. It's okay. Uh, I really don't think that a lot of people, unless it had a special meaning for them at the time they first saw it, right. will hold on, remember it. All right. Now, um, I would say that, you know, in the day, there was it was a charming tale of how a little girl goes with Frosty to the North Pole to save him. 
Mm-hmm. And today, Frosty would get arrested for taking a minder across state lines. Yeah. And it's a, it's a criminal minds episode. <laughs> You're a sick puppy. <laughs> We're going to get comments. You just ruined Frosty for me forever. He's a childhood. You just tinkled all over it. Well... <laughs> Wait till we do the last one. Here we go. (laughs) All right. Perhaps the best known of these. Okay. Uh, Again, uh, Bass um, Bass, Bass Rankin stop action. Uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Yes. Now you're going to talk something about animal abuse, right? (laughs) No, no. (laughs) I, I I have other dark plans for this. But what do you think? Uh, okay, so once again, I think this is a, a classic story. I think that for kids in particular, they will get it, uh, younger kids in particular. Um, it's a redemption story again, but it's also a bullying story. Yes, it and is. I, I think from that angle, you, uh, listen to me, teachers, you can sell it. You can sell it that way. It's a bullying story. He's different. He's not accepted by. There's a class. There's a there's a cool kids kind of mindset going on there. And even Santa doesn't quite step up. No, he's, he's a little abusive himself. I'm I'm sorry for damaging his uh, image, but um, yeah. You know, even even grownups need to learn a lesson, right? And so Rudolph ends up running off with the dentist. That just sounded wrong. But anyway, like you I know, said, this episode, uh, this, this special has a lot of problems these days. But go ahead. But, you know, again, it's it's a lot of people who don't fit in coming together, or a lot of characters who don't fit in coming together to find themselves and their value and to then save the day for right. everyone. So I think it has all of that potential. And yes, it can be at this time of year for young kids. Be about accepting people who are different from you. Be about bullying. Being about, you know, diversity. There's any number of things in there. The island of misfits. You know, there's all those elements in there that we can use now because, unfortunately, we haven't cleaned up all of that mess yet. So I think that that of the four, that has the most potential to continue to resonate. True. And I would also say that and I have to say the second statement, too, or else we're going to explode here. Uh, this, okay. this Christmas special has the most potential to trigger people, especially mm. in the age of Internet uh, trolling and screaming and complaining. You know, the, there was a teaser out for the new Ghostbusters, and people are just freaking out. It's, 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 the, it's a ripoff of the Stranger Things. Relax. Have faith. Let's see what develops. Relax. Just Ghostbusters Afterlife, I'm interested. Now, as far as this is concerned, right, it could trigger bullying. Oh, look at this. This is a bullying. Yes, but if you go to the end of the show, it's a powerful story about believing in yourself mm-hmm. despite the bullying and, mm-hmm. and, and standing up and being better than the bullies because eventually one of the bullies you know, that guy in the red suit, he comes around and says, oh, now I need you, right? Yeah. Uh, also, some people could be triggered by a couple of uh, characters that could be, oh, look, 
they were doing, um, they were mocking gays, right? The dentist can come across gay, the jack-in-the-box can come across gay, um, you know, on and on. Yukon Cornelius is a, a bit of a, a bully and all that sort of stuff. Um, but all of them save Christmas. Yeah. Every single one of them is integral to it yeah, coming to it, you know, yeah. yeah, so you have to show the abuse to show people rising above the abuse. Right. And in that way, I think this one has the longest legs or the strongest legs of any of the things we talk about, you know? Absolutely. And, you know, and again, I, I said earlier that you know, this show was, because uh, we're having a good time, so I got to justify that. You know, this show is very much about hey. being, and I think one of the strongest themes is redemption. Is is you also have in there mission of faith and journey, all of that. But I'll just even quickly drop some animated stuff because we were talking about animated. Um, the Mickey Mouse Prince and the Pauper, right. which I saw the first time I saw it in a the movie theater with my my first child Matthew when he was maybe three four years old. I remember him sitting in my lap watching the movie. It was the first time I ever took him to a big screen film. Right. And when the moment that thing started, he leaned back against me and was locked in on that mm -hmm. the whole film. And it's about a poor kid and a rich kid switching places and blah, 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 blah. And about finding the value of who you are. Yeah. And also education and about love. And there's a bunch of other things in it. So I, I'm all for that. There's another one. Um, hey, Arnold. There was a Hey, Arnold Christmas episode that to this day, if, if you can find it on YouTube or whatever, it still works. And this involves Arnold, um, you know, his, his grandparents who he's living with own this rooming house. And there's all these different people who live there, including one person from Vietnam. And this, we find out that this man's come to the city to find the daughter he had to give up as a baby in Vietnam. Wow. <laughs> Excuse me, wow. Are we always, well, the kids grew up on Hey Arnold, so yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, find that's, that episode. Always a good, always good stuff. Yeah. And I would I would beg people to go to the comments section and write down, uh, add to this list, this offering, other things people should see. Uh, <coughs> excuse me, the um, the different the songs or the movies or the TV specials that we miss that make the holidays for you. Uh, I hope everyone has a great holiday. I, I hope I know you have a great holiday. Ending, huh? aren't you? You're, you're about I'm to wrap it up. I just got I just got the message that says you're running out of battery. <laughs> oh, so, okay. Um, so I'm gonna quickly say this very quickly. Old radio, uh, Dragnet did a, a Christmas story, uh, and this is the old radio shows back in the '40s. Dragnet did a Christmas story about rifle giving a rifle to a kid, and uh, tragedy oh. occurs. Tragedy occurs, and the last line of the episode is, "You don't give a kid a gun for Christmas." So that's that's one of my favorites that I play every year. Tales of the Texas Rangers, poor people uh, falsely accused of a crime because of their situation. Redemption at the end. Uh, fathers reunited with his children. That's a great Christmas story. Jimmy Stewart, who we mentioned from It's a Wonderful Life, was in an episode of a radio show called The Six Shooter. He retells the Christmas Carol story as a Western to this kid who's run away. Another great one. And the last one is a gift of the Magi kind of thing with uh, an ex-con who's, who's now married and is trying to live a decent life. He's out. He's out. And he gets framed. And it looks like 
the whole thing is just going to, his whole life's going to come apart. And he decides, well, you know, if they're going to blame me for a crime, I'm going to commit a crime. And the very thing that his wife is supposed to get as a Christmas present basically saves him. So these are themes that are out there, themes that are for this holiday in particular. But when you are writing, when you are writing, what is the message you're trying to share with your audience? What are you trying to say to us yeah. about that? Lock it in and tell the damn story to the best of your yeah. ability. Re redemption, renewal, reunion, all of those perennially great ways to tell the damn story. Happy holidays to everybody. Happy holidays to you, my brother. You know I love you. Captain. Adios, everybody. Peace, everybody.